Hello, sex friends. I say sex friends because in context, you know what I'm saying. In context, it's, it's a podcast about sex. It's not like we're having sex, actually, unless you're, well, that, that guy. Um, but anyway, hi. Other than that, uh, I wanted to thank adamandeve.com this week for sponsoring our show. Uh, if you go to adamandeve.com and type in the promo code SEXNERD, you're going to get 50% off almost any item in the store and get free shipping, three free DVDs, and a super secret gift. That is the best deal I can think of. I've never heard anyone offer that much cool stuff, so we are pretty lucky as sex nerds to have that opportunity. Um, I would say, honestly, at this point, you need to get on that website and look through and really be honest with yourself. What is something that would take what I'm already doing in bed and take it to the next level? It could be a vibrator. It could be something that goes inside the body. It could be some anal toy. It could be a back massager. It could be some sexy lingerie. But really, I am giving you permission to go there and think about what can be beneficial to you in your sex life. So go to adamandeve.com, type in sexnerd at checkout. You can get 50% off almost anything you buy. You're going to get free shipping, which is fantastic. And then three free DVDs and a super secret gift. Okay, enjoy. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. Whoa, what are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Here we are coming together to talk about body storytelling. Dixie Delator. Are you going to start letting me know when we're recording or are we recording? Oh, we're recording. The question oh. is only about when, post the conversation, do I feel like cutting in? Ha ha, the power of the podcaster. Ha ha. It's all in your hands. Ah, oh, I feel so godlike. <laughs> Hi. Um. Hey, Naughty Monkeys. Um, this week, we are going to be exploring my mind. Uh, under the context of, I have Dixie Delator of Body Storytelling on the phone. Hi, Dixie. Hi, Sandra. And we were talking the other day about how I need to figure out what story I'm going to tell for the live show next week over at Busby's East for the 100th anniversary. 100th anniversary. Like I'm that old. Ah, oh, that's funny. Happy uh, anniversary, by the way. A hundred of anything is a lot. That's so much. Uh, 100 episodes. I can't believe that we've done it. Like, we are almost there. 100. All the sex talk. All the embarrassing stuff. All the honesty. All the laughter. Oh, my God. I can't handle it. No, it feels really good to have a nice, sexy whole number. It's like, it's juicy. It really is. And you have been a part of the journey for me, Dixie. Oh, tell me why. Well, you you know. Oh, I I must have I must have told at least four stories for body storytelling over the last two years, and it has been the scariest and the most fun and the most. It's just been fantastic to get to craft a nugget of my life for the stage for people to kind of share in my horrendous. Uh, embarrassing, usually experiences, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's so it's so powerful, isn't it? You just sit there and you go, "Oh my god, I have to figure myself out enough to make sense to other people and tell them all my secrets." And before you know it, you're standing up there and they're in love with you. It's yeah, it's um, definitely it's freeing. It's you don't know how much your own human experience translates to everyone else's experience until you just get up there and and tell what you've you know i hear i made you a story this is how it goes and then everyone during the break everyone's high-fiving and hugging and being like that was hilarious and um you go home feeling better about yourself and and they have a point of reference for you for the rest of their lives where they're like oh my god you're the one who told that story about that and this little piece of your life is permanently part of their life now. Yeah, it's crazy. How long have you been doing this? Um, six and a half years since I fell in love with storytelling. When did you and storytelling first meet? And when was it love at first dating? sight? Yes. It was. It was love at first sight. Well, I, you know, I've been a sex party promoter and producer and all of those things that you are. And you're surrounded by people who are like you. 
And then one day, a friend invited me to a storytelling event that was true stories that related to Burning Man. And I just was amazed that it wasn't boring. It wasn't what I thought. It wasn't the old lady at the library with the dream catcher. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a fairy tale. It was real people's lives. And you got to learn about yourself by listening to their story. And you got to learn about them. And you felt like you were closer to them. And I thought it was an amazing social tool. And then I thought, we need this. So I started creating my own. And I created Body uh, early 2007, I think. And, and you took San Francisco by storm, like a stormtrooper. <laughs> you know, you know, it did. I did take it by storm as soon as I started talking about it. You know, the thing about sex is you think people, you think there's this, you have this sense of propriety that somebody embedded in you that are like, People wouldn't be interested in that. It's not sex. It's not me and my perverted friends that are interested in sex. Nobody else. So I didn't tell people. You kept it to yourself. I totally kept it a secret for a long time. Probably the first two years I kept it a secret. And then people kept asking me, I hear you do this show and the stories are amazing. And I'm like, really? You're interested in that? And they're like, oh, yeah. And as soon as I started talking about it, um, it blew up. People were like, oh my God, the stories are so amazing. Things you can't hear anywhere else at the show. Which is true. Yeah, this is, it really is, there's nothing like it really when it comes to the amount of honesty and just specific details about the bedroom that no one ever really talks about. Well, except for like on the Sex Nerd Sounder podcast. <laughs> but beside that, you don't, you don't really hear that. Um, so yeah, I feel extra... I feel almost spoiled that it's like, you know, it's my birthday and I'll have stories if I want to. Like, I, oh, I, I want it. I want a storytelling show on the podcast. So <laughs> I'm excited that you're a part of the 100th episode. Thank you. And Sandra, you're such a natural born storyteller. I told you that the first time I worked with you, you you don't realize how interested people are in your brain, but you have one of those brains that people are like, I want to know more about her. Which is exactly what I've been avoiding most of this time. <laughs> there is nothing better than showing people the real you. That's the, that's what I love about storytelling. You're just like, I know that I'm supposed to probably give you this, but I'm going to give you the real deal. And everybody goes, oh, oh, we're doing that. And everybody opens up and everybody starts to put down the facade. And it, it, that stuff's exhausting. This just feels right. Uh, okay. I, I'm all about telling stories. And I think for me, it definitely, it, there's permission. Like, so much of my work is around giving permission to people to just be with themselves. But as a, a host of the show... It it's funny to turn it around. Like right now, okay. The reason that the reason Dixie, the reason Dixie is on right now is because I don't know what to tell for my story. There's so much. It's just like you know when you think about your your personal history and it's all in your brain and you you don't really you don't. It's like they're just moments. They're just amazing, funny, odd moments. But I don't necessarily have the story crafted yet. Yeah, because most of the time I listen to other people's stories. And, and hurts and curiosities and funny happenings. I don't... Mm, there's so much, Dixie. What do I do? Well, that's what I usually work with people to do, is try and, since all the stories in the show, the curated show, are 10 minutes, I work with people to try and take a chunk of their life, however long that could be. It could be seven years. It could be three days. And we create a 10-minute story. So a lot of it is, let's try and pack the salient elements into 10 minutes once we decide on the story. And then we take all the elements that relate to the, to the story that we can fit in the time frame. A lot of times people will have an interaction with a person and they had sex with that person and their stories about that person. So they want to continue and go, oh my God, and then I got an email from her seven years later. And I remember that I, like, you can't put all of that in 10 minutes. So I'm the editor. Okay. And I help you cut it down. All right. Okay, the first story I told for body storytelling was took place over the time of about three years. And it was all about how I was secretly clueless about how to use dental dams. 
That's right. I remember that story. Yeah, and it was, like, you know, just sort of dying inside while trying to use it on someone and being like, I really, I'm really committed to safe sex. I'm so committed. This is so awkward. This is, I can't breathe. Oh, shit, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You know, um, because you inhale the thing. Um, but... The theme, it's so funny because we were like, what should the theme be? And we talked about it and, and I think you suggested Sex Geek Secrets. I'm like, perfect, let's do it. And then I'm like, oh shit, what am I going to tell for Sex Geek Secrets? It feels like my secret is that I'm secretly really awkward. Perfect. Do you know what I tell people when it comes to talking about sex? People are always like, well, I don't know how to talk about sex in a way that's going to feel okay. Rule number one of talking about sex, I feel, is be the dork. You know? The person, like, you were totally a dork in that dental band story. I don't want to tell people, I'm a sex educator, I can't tell them I don't know how to use this thing. But because you opened up and told them, everybody was sitting there like, we don't know how to use one either. <laughs> yeah, it turned and out no one knows how to use a dental dam. That's what I learned. Why do you think you go to sex parties and there's a huge pile of dental dams? No one knows how to use them, but nobody wants to admit they don't know how to use them. Oh, it was so awkward. Okay, okay, yeah, good. Okay, I'm on board, Dixie. All right. Well, I'm going to be a dork no matter what, because that's just going to be, I mean, come on. Perfect. That's, that's why you're perfect for this thing. Okay. So, what I was thinking about, since we already know you're a geek, I'm going to give you some snippets of stories that I've had on stage that are different kinds of geeks. Okay. And then you can kind of, what usually happens to get you to remember the right story, I throw some stories at you and then you go, oh my God, that totally made me think of, you know, and before you know it, you're like, I know exactly what story I have to tell. But uh, you're hearing other people's stories. That's why it works at the show. People start exploding at the break and after the show because you walk in and they're like, well, I, I wish I had some stories of my own. And then they listen to a few and they can't stop talking. As soon as we give them, and now it's your time, make a new friend. They cannot stop talking because hearing a story makes you remember a story. And then you have to tell a story. That's true. That's fun. Intermission's going to be a lot of fun. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, But, Okay. Because my stories don't, my stories don't tend to be a chunk of like an evening. Like, oh, and then he did this, and then she did this. It's crazy. Um, do you have any examples of people who've woven a story over a lifetime and still is able to tell it within ten minutes or several years? Yeah, I've had lots of stories that involve years and years. Um, one that immediately comes to mind took. It didn't take years, but it took a good six months to a year. A story of um, a woman who, this is partially, there are several geek elements in this, but one was she was locked out of her Twitter account. Um, someone on the Internet offered her help. She tried to do a background check on the person, and eventually it turned out that the person had reinvented themselves, and they were transsexual. And they became friends and started talking, and eventually this person in Australia told her that she had had a sex change, had a brand new vagina, but didn't know how to use it yet. And it was a, a course of a very long period of time for person number one, Sarah, to get on a plane, fly to Australia, and use that brand new vagina with Meredith. Wait a minute. Wait. Pause. <laughs> Would this stemmed out of their Twitter account being? It, yeah, it stemmed out of it stemmed out of an online communication where Sarah got locked out of her Twitter account. Meredith gave her some helpful tech hints to get back in. She said, "Sarah said thank you. That was awesome." And they became friends online, and eventually, it oh, I into, see. Oh my God, you're trans. Okay, sorry, that didn't make much sense. I was trying to make it short, and it wasn't a short answer. No, it's okay. Uh, P.S. Internet buddy, I have a brand new vagina. Would you like to help me um, discover all of its many uses with me? Sure. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And then, so it's the story of a new vagina. It's a story of a new vagina and the timeline of their friendship that resulted in Sarah getting on a plane flying to Australia and helping Meredith use her brand new vagina. Oh, man. That makes me think of 
like my journey with threesomes. Although I feel like my journey with threesomes isn't over. But I feel like that might be a thing. Where are you in your journey with threesomes now? Well, I used to really dislike them. Well, it's just, I, one person is exciting. Two people, it's like three's a crowd. I'm kind of like, there's a lot going on here. But over Don't the... Don't you think that's the hot part about threesomes? There's a lot going on here. I, I think, ah, uh, well, one, there, I went through the phase where I was the unicorn, where people were like, yes, you, be part of, we're a couple, you're going to be the third person. It's like, okay. And then it was, I was like this new, I was like the new toy. But that felt, I think it's because I like to connect with people with my heart before I connect to them with my genitalia. And so it was just sort of this odd, like, casual, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. And nothing, this isn't, this isn't exciting me. Like, this is, I am not turned on by this. I think that, that was a thing. And then I became the lube caddy or the helper. And that was fun. Because then I was, because then I was more the person who, would just, you know, give the thumbs up and, and find the new toy and, like, you know, do the head massage while the other thing is going on. You know, help her, right? Mm-hmm. And that and right. then that's become how I relate to people. I don't I don't know, Dixie. Does this seem interesting and the, to you? There's a, there is a third role there in, in that world, and I was the third. I was the party starter. You were the party starter? I was the person who got conversation flowing, helped connection, kind of said, you should know you for these reasons. And the next thing you know, they were having at it, and you were just going, that felt great. Oh, you're the instigator. Mm-hmm. Oh, you naughty monkey. <laughs> okay, so I made a note. We're going to uh, keep keep that in mind. Threesomes, in your journey with threesomes is a possibility. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you some more stories, and you're going to see if any of them feel like something that makes you think of your own story. I feel like this is, I feel like this is some sort of, um, like, I will now give you stories, and you give me stories. Like, this is, this is our, um, like, our monetary <laughs> exchange. Exactly. I will only pay you in stories. Okay. So, um, I've had a story from a grammar geek who did a BDSM scene that involved spelling and grammar and testing the submissive and the subsequent punishment. So there is that way of geeking out on words. Do you, are you saying there was a spelling bee um, sex scene? Uh-huh. That's hilarious. What a good idea. Isn't it? <laughs> that is really funny. And you're sitting there listening to this story and you're just like, oh my God, she's so smart. I want her. I want her now. Oh, man. Oh, again. That's really funny. Oh, I wouldn't know what to do with my Oxford comma. Um, <laughs> yeah, where you want to put it. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Okay. So that didn't really stir anything in you. How about... No, it's... I don't think it's you. I mean, I have the well... Okay. I have a wealth of information and knowledge. I mean, it's... When we when I think about Sex Geek Secret, right? Because I know, okay, we've got Reed Mahalko, who's uber sex geek. He is, like, head sex geek. Um, <laughs> and who knows what he's going to bust out, because he always has the funniest stories. And then Jaya Ma, who is, like, queen sex geek she's like the tantra she's the eastern she's the she's the woo woo meet sex geek um so hers is probably going to be sex lab focused and then we have ned mayhem right mm-hmm. and he's actually talking about this like studying science in the bedroom he's talking about being an earned an intern at um intern at the super collider and um, meeting someone, someone on the staff there, geeking sex between geeks. Ah, oh, like really smart people studying science and also getting together in the sack. But also, he's a porn star. And also, he's a porn star, which, which is, makes him even hotter. Those little horn rim gl- glasses are not an affectation. That's for real. <laughs> well, uh, 
He has real poor eyesight. It's the hottest kind when it's real crappy eyesight. I like that. No. I, mean, I, went to, I went to Ned's wedding recently, and he handcrafted the ring for his bride. And listening to him describe the process of making the ring and choosing the components of the ring, the entire place is like on the floor going, oh, my God, he is totally in the zone. I love it. I love it because that kind of specific detail can turn people off. But when you're talking about sex, it's a whole other thing because then it's applied to the bedroom, which is really funny. Um, yeah, well, if, sometimes, if you're not interested in the subject, you know, then people are like, oh, my God, I'm bored. But nobody has ever said that about anything that relates to sex. Sex is fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Um, I don't know. You had asked me something the other day about... Um, like how I became a sex geek or sex nerd. I mean, really nerd nerd is a philosophical state of mind. Really? Um, I don't know. I think you had something because you'd asked me like when it started and I just, I remember you know, sitting. I'm, what I've always told people is that I spent a lot of time in bookstores as a kid and teenager. And I mean, it was my library and I loved sitting in the self-help relationships and sex section and reading. And I read and I read and I read. But what I usually don't tell people is the specifics about how I read. You think of reading a book and you think from front to, to end. You just read the whole thing. But what I did was, and Dixie, you know, I would sit there and I would open up all the indexes of four or five different books. And I'd look up the same subject, mm, blowjobs. And I would look into each book and read and cross compare what each book had to say about that topic or female ejaculation or if you're pre-orgasmic um, or am I broken because I thought I was broken for a long time when it came to orgasm but yeah I don't know that's I think the fact I think the fact that you thought you were broken is something that so many people can relate to um, if it works into the thing of just whatever you're going to be telling next week I think it's a perfect fit because everybody thinks they're broken. I mean, not to not to disqualify the emotion, but so many of us are like, when I see porn, they come and nobody's being touched anywhere near their vagina. So apparently, if I don't, yeah, if I don't come from that, there's something wrong with me. Hmm. That's sad. I, I think that's a really touching moment. And as I tell you quite often, you are willing to go there. You are a storytelling producer's dream because everybody thinks you have to be funny, but you are willing to go poignant. You're willing to open up and share your secrets, and that's why you thought of this being Sex Geek Secrets. Oh, uh, poignant. Oh, yeah. It's like, what did um, Nicole Hassler, right? The Nicole Hassler of the Midwest Teen Sex Show. Right. Right? She's so funny. Um, she was saying, like, you know, sometimes our stories are like the the uh, David Sedaris of sex, you know, where it's it's poignant. And even though it's about sex, it really is about the human spirit right, and exactly. stuff. I don't know. It's... Mm. Here's one I think that's probably going to resonate with you in some way. The technology geek. Mm-hmm. Um, had somebody told a story about going to the technology part of South by Southwick. And meeting, there's lots of geeky interactions between all the other geeks there. But at some point, they decided they were going to have an orgy. And the size of the orgy was limited to the number of plug-ins in the hotel suite because they all had eyes, <laughs> but it had to be charged while they were having sex. <laughs> that is really fun. Oh, my God, a South by Southwest orgy? Yeah. Oh, my God, I should go just for that. Oh You're God. totally hot, but I'm sorry you can't jo- join our orgy because we're already at iPhones and there are no more plugs for you. Oh man, someone needs to bring an extension cord. Now then you're the life of the party when you're the extension cord person. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> I guess it had storage protector. That's important. We were actually joking, a couple of us, that after the show we need to have a, a post party, like naughty show. But I mean, or, you know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna might be tired. I don't know. We might, ha- there might be an after party party. There just might be Dixie Delator. Really? There might be. I, I feel like, I feel like there should be considering the topic and the fact that we're going to have that many people all in one place laughing and talking about sex and just having a good time. I mean, of course, people just go because it's a good ass time. 
but just in terms of like sex nerds in the same place, you know, like. Well, just think of all the facts you're gonna learn. There are so many facts, and I've done the geek theme or some variation on the geek theme. I don't know four or five times in the last couple of years, and people are like, "Oh my god!" They get so excited because they learn something they didn't know. Like with you, it was. Dentodam. Oh my god, now I know how to use a Dentodam. I'm not the only one who had no idea how to use the damn thing. I felt stupid. I'm brilliant. I thought it was stupid. And here's another one. The brain rubbing up against other smart brain story. So, um, Carol Queen told a story about fucking a famous sexologist, not because she was attracted to him, but because his brain was so great she had to have sex. <laughs> you ever done that? Slept with someone because they're so smart? Yeah. Ah, oh, that well that's such a huge part of my attraction to someone that I'm attracted to. Um but I haven't specifically gone after someone because of their brain. Oh, or have I? <laughs> I mean like I've cra- I, I think that one of the smartest people I've ever had the chance to go on a date with. I crashed and burned. Like, just my neuroses just, like, I failed miserably at having an what could have most likely have been an amazing sexual experience with someone who was fantastic. Um, except I was so nervous and the communication was so awkward that just at every step in, like, everything was great until we got into the bedroom. And then it just was, like, the worst. Um... <laughs> So you ask that, and then it just brings up pain. It brings up pain. Um, yeah. And you're willing to go there, and we know that. <laughs> it's funny, though, because it'd be hard because this person is, like, well-known, you know? And then, like, might be mad at me for telling the story. I mean, I guess I could just keep it private but it would well, just... you can all, you can always opt out of telling their name i had somebody tell a story about sleeping with a rock star and it was actually a roommate of mine so i walked out into the hall bleary-eyed with my hair sticking straight up all, all over my head and there's this very famous person I'm like oh my god and in the story she called him elvis <laughs> i don't think it was elvis <laughs> See, this is why I find our conversation hard because I know that you are a storytelling coach and your favorite part you've told me is talking to people about their st- stories and trying to pull it out. But I, it's, your stories are kind of reminding me of things. But hmm, for me, the craft of this, of the thing I want to tell is so much about my own personal journey. And is it, it just so happens that ridiculous sex happens along the way. But it's more... What is what part of me do I want to share? Mm-hmm. Because it all it all relates. So it's it's less about the events because the events come together. It's that's I guess that's hard. Why it's hard for me to like talk to you before like we've only coached for one of the stories, but the others I've kind of done on my own because I don't even know it does come together. So you're a very smart girl. Tell me about your, were you in advanced placement in high school or college? Like, did you take advanced classes or what's your your education like? Education is a a place where the excitement of everybody learning about new things kind of lends itself to sexual fervor. Oh, man. Well, I was incredibly sexually repressed in high school and college in that... Well, I was in relationships the whole time, so that feeling of like, oh, I want to make out with you, and you, I want to make out with you too, and that all didn't happen, but the sexual tension was rampant, Um, but I graduated a year early from high school, so I was uh, definitely in classes, like I had two years of high school crammed into one year, my last year of high school, Um, but I mean, I guess... There was a senior parking lot on campus, and my high school boyfriend ha- drove a van with tinted windows, so we definitely <laughs> could get busy during school hours on school property in the privacy of our own car, which was amazing. <laughs> um, so that happened. <laughs> so you, gotta... you probably weren't in a school environment right then, or 
you were at school, but you were having sex in the parking lot. Yes, that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had, I don't know. For me, I mean, of course, all of high school and college, I was, the first time I had sex, I had read so much about sex that I was almost too terrified of sex because I'd heard so much about virginity. And it did hurt a lot. But the thing that makes me, like, kind of makes me laugh is the fact that my hobby space, like, my hobby time was spent at the bookstore. And so by the time I was maybe 15 or so and initiating my first anal sex with my boyfriend, mm -hmm. I had already read all the books about anal sex. And so I already had, like, the script of what was supposed to happen in my mind and knew all the steps of what to do to make anal sex enjoyable or at least really? not painful so i remember it being like the first time i had anal sex was effortless in that i mean there was effort involved but it wasn't confusing and i was with someone i was really comfortable with and i mean i you know i just in my head really loud was too much lube is almost enough uh, over and over again and just was all about the reapplication of lube and was about being slow and the positioning and being very careful um so that happened but then every time i had anal sex after that through the years for a long time it became less and less enjoyable as i had that ego about reading all the stuff but not the patience nor the practice to get me really good so just every six months every year or so when I would embark on anal sex it was less and less awesome which was kind of like a beginner's it's like a beginner's luck story um, did you ever did you ever play science experiment with the so you learn about something in a book and you go oh my god I have to find a person and I have to experiment with that or I have to experiment on myself with this brand new information like did you want to read and read and read and then wait for the right moment or did you ever want to go I want to I have to make that happen right now that's so fantastic I want to experience it firsthand ah when it came to sex yeah like for example with me when I first learned about Altoids that Altoids could be used for blowjobs I thought that was amazing I went straight to the drugstore I bought like eight different times <laughs> And I started making phone calls and said, I need a research subject. Get over here right now. And we're going to try the cinnamon. We're going to try the wintergreen. And we're going to try to, you know, like every single kind to see. Nobody minded being a research subject at all on that one. God love you for that, Dixie. Um, that, that's amazing. Every time I want to do that sort of thing, I always forget. Like I have this packet of Pop Rocks that I keep meaning to try during a blowjob. <laughs> And I just always forget. I think... Do you walk around with a safe sex kit? Like, you go to parties and events like that. Do you ever just put the pop rocks in your safe sex kit so that you're ready? Oh, look what I have. Let's go. Uh, no. I'm oh. going to have to make you a custom kit, I can tell. I have a sex, sex kit. It's purple. It's very uh cute. Uh, you're going to need a custom one so that all of a sudden, the next time you're out and the opportunity presents itself, look, Pop Rocks and Cinnamon and Altoid. What could we do with these? Okay, and then here's the other thing. The assumption that, as a sex nerd, I'm getting laid a lot and going to a ton of parties and mm -hmm. that sort of thing, where it's more like in relationships. See, my... Okay, if, if you're more of the... Re in the bedroom, if you're more of the research analyst or in research the scientific researcher of a new element for me i'm more interested in the engineering or how to improve using what i already have so i might want to try out 10 different types of tongue movements or play like, like prostate massage it'll just be like circle 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 Big circle, big circle, or do we like small circle, small circle, or tap, 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 tap? Do you like optometrist sex, which is better, one or two? Optometrist sex, yes. Mm -hmm. Left eye or right eye? Or we know they do lens one, lens two, one or two. Which one is? It? Which one do you like more? Or no, like um, 
when you get your hearing checked and you hear two tones and raise your hand if you can hear it on which side and then you raise your hand. Okay. And sometimes I need a visual cue if your thighs are pressed over my ears. That sort of thing. Do you ever have a book open while you're having sex? Hmm, no. That sounds like a good idea. Wait. Not, not one of these manuals that you used to read to try and go from section to section. You never had them open while you were... Sounds like you love books. I do love I books. Do. Okay. Maybe it's just... Okay, I know that there's so many... You're throwing out all these wonderful ideas, but... I guess it is figuring out where the geek and nerd comes in for me. It really is because I retain the information in my brain. And it really is about me trying to figure out me. As much as, I mean, I love to teach others and to work with people one-on-one about how to improve and get more comfortable with themselves. But at the end of the day, the drive has always been to understand myself more. It wasn't necessarily to go above and beyond and have the craziest orgasm ever. It was just to do the basics well. Right. Oh, my God. I'm having such feelings when I say that. Well, I'm looking at some of the notes I've made, and there is a theme that runs through it. And uh, you've talked about your journey with threesomes and your need to connect with people. You've You've talked about the fact that you felt broken sexually and you want to figure yourselves out. And that ended up leading to wanting to learn everything there was. Um, you know, your nervousness, your crashed and burned on the date. Um, anal sex was great the first time, and after that, it sounds like you kept trying to figure it out every time. Um, but like the optometrist sex angle, you're coming at it from a geeky way. What you're doing is a story doesn't have to be one night. You know, as you know, it can be, here's the course of me. There's a lot of different kinds of geek stories, and you're just a geek through and through. Oh, you flatter me. (laughs) Well, some people I have to spin toward an angle. You, I don't have to do that. I've had um, people who've told stories about losing their virginity behind the blacksmith's shed at the Renaissance Fair, and they (laughs) sit on stage in their cute little, you know, Wearing the outfits, because we love outfits of body storytelling. And, um, you know, it just screams geek. Geeks <sighs> come at losing their virginity a certain way. Geeks come at anal sex and learning everything about it before someone puts their junk inside your junk. You know, it's, it's you gather information, and what people really are going to want to see from you, Sandra, is 10 minutes of your brain working. Oh, man. You're geek. <laughs> you can do anything you want, but it's like, here's a little bit about me. You're going to give me a little peek inside your life. Everything you do is going to geek. There is so. <laughs> oh, and there is, nothing, there is nothing hotter than a woman who loves facts and books and, well, anybody. But particularly, we all look at, it's so surprising from a gender perspective. Like, oh, my God, why do we love the naughty librarian so much? Because... It's our love of books, and it's our love of beautiful women, and there you are. Oh. I should wear a Naughty Librarian outfit next week. Oh, You should. Ah, pencil skirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Maybe a sheer blouse. A <laughs> sheer blouse. Yeah, I might have one of those, maybe, or four. Um, I've already got the glasses. I don't so have prescription what glasses. What I usually do... Oh. What, what I usually do is I, I try and pull a few facts out of you, things that you start thinking about. Um, I've told you some bits from some other stories that might fit along with them, and one of my best pieces of advice is I tell people this after we do a rehearsal before they get on stage, and this is a good one for you right now. Go take a shower. <laughs> you think about these things. You go, you go, I don't know. I can't tell what it is. What's it going to be? I don't have the right story. And then you get in the shower and you stop thinking. And all of a sudden, the right answer will come to you. Sometimes a good sleep will do that, but I find the shower works every I know what you mean. The shower is an amazing place uh, for, yeah, there's something about the shower. I actually, at one point. And you're clean. (laughs) And you're what? And then you're clean, too. And then you're clean. 
Um, but I went through a period where I wanted to find excellent shower markers so I could write my ideas on the tile. Um, oh. Because then I'd always forget them. That's great. Yeah. I never got around to it. So that's something that um, I'd like to do. But instead, I'll just sort of hop out of the shower with a great idea and like write it down and then hop back in the shower. So I'll have this piece of paper that's really wet. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I think hmm, for me, I'll probably go back to my origins um, because, I mean, the first, just the fact that it took me three hours to have an orgasm for the first time. Wow. Um, without a vibrator. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's the story of how I finally, I mean, from the first time I had an orgasm in my life, which was around, I would say around 12 years old, to the first time with, with, with a Hitachi, which is way strong for your first toy. P.S., guys. And then to about, I think, 19 is when I had my first orgasm without something plugged into the wall. And the journey of that was really difficult. And, I mean, I really... It's amazing how... Because orgasm, you don't know what it feels like until you feel it. Um... And if you and if I only I only knew what I only knew what an orgasm from a vibrator felt like, it's so I had no idea what hands or a to- or like a dildo or I had no idea. Yeah, it it just didn't click. And when I tried, it didn't feel right. And so, like it was like smoking. I had to like quit of the vibrator. Like I quit like cold turkey. Like smoking It was crazy. Are you still off vibrators? I suspect no. Dixie, it's really—I had an amazing time in college and in my twenties, early twenties. Um, but I, I have to admit, the last couple of years, I have gotten back on the vibrator train. Yep. Well, if your first orgasm took three hours, I would look at how busy you are and go, "That makes total sense." Oh, but eventually, no. But after a while, because my I trained my body to. Mm, be able to be centrally reactive to different different input, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I was able to have orgasms within two, three minutes once I trained my body differently. Well done. Thanks. Thanks, you can Dixie. You anything when you set your mind to it, can't you, Sandra? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I wanted to do a podcast, and here we are at 100. Woo-hoo! Woo! <laughs> I know that so I you sa- said, huh? You said you wanted to go back to the beginning, so you're thinking that's where your story is. Somewhere in there. I mean, just this, just the list of produce I would steal out of my family's refrigerator in order to stick inside my body mm. is ridiculous. At what age? Ah, uh, twelve. I lived in the Deep South. We had to do that at 21. Oh. Well. I used to go buy a zucchini. Of course you did. I had to lose a security deposit because I forgot to, uh, I forgot the zucchini was next to that. Let's not talk about that. Wait, you lost... They'll do a number on your carpet if you forget. Oh, you're not saying that your landlord saw a vegetable in your bedroom, so took no. your security deposit. You're saying... No. I'm saying it, it kind of dissolved into the carpet, and I was like, what? The rug doctor is not going to take care of that. It was produce that I forgot. That's the great thing about vibrators. They don't go bad. They don't... The, well, if you get a good quality one, jelly rubber is going to melt all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Rotten zucchini stains carpets. Mm-hmm. That's specific. So the the easy place to start is a story that relates to first or foibles. So it sounds like you're going to go to your first. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. There's, there's so mm-hmm. much. Uh, that's the thing is, as I craft it, it's sort of like you. T- it's like taking a block of marble and just chipping at it. You chip at it, chip at it, chip at it and you put things in. It's a collage, and then you... pull it apart again and put it back together in a different way and then you remember a thing and then then you realize an epiphany and then it's the making of the story is 
in itself. And I, and I encourage everyone to learn to tell themselves stories and tell others their stories because you learn a lot about yourself as you figure out how to tell the story. Oh, that's so true. So you've talked about the first time you had anal sex. How old were you the first time you had vaginal sex? Mm. 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 Fourteen. Fourteen? Those are my math tones. Did you like them? Very good. Thanks. So you're 14. Yep. Were you reading books to try and figure out what sex would be like because you knew that losing your virginity was painful? I mean, I had read a bunch of books about it, and there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. I'd already dilated with different things inside myself, so I knew that I could roughly accommodate someone inside me, but it still hurt so much, Mm, which was surprising. I should have dilated more! Bah! Yeah. But you decided nonetheless to go ahead and do it, even though it was uncomfortable. Oh my god, I was the horniest teenager ever, Dixie. Don't judge. I was so horny. <laughs> I was not judging. <laughs> and why'd you decide to do it, even though you knew it would be painful? Because I wanted to. Because being naked is fun and stuff. Yeah. I, it just, I was dating someone I really liked, and it just felt right. You know how something just feels like it's the right time? Yeah. Like, it felt like, yes, this is now. People debate about when is the best time to lose your virginity. I, For me, it just was screaming at me. It was like, now, it's clearly now. Clearly. Yeah. Mm. Although I did, re- I did regret it many times, though, in, in the year or two after, because it felt like still virginity was presented like this this magical thing that you possessed and once you had sex you gave it away and you no longer had the magical thing so i felt like i had lost something of myself because i'd had sex it took me a few years to realize like oh no no that was just other people's mm, judgments on what it means to have sex finally so i don't know yeah why did i have sex because i wanted to Mm, i do what i want Mm. So why don't we think about a story that is how a sex geek prepares to lose their virginity. Okay. Yes, there was the wanting and there was that it's time and this is the right person. But you tend to acquire knowledge and then proceed. Multiple, multiple sources. You know, you probably learned a lot about virginity. I bet we can throw out some interesting factoids in that story. Here's the thing is, at the end of the day, when it comes to my memories, uh, just like if I watch a movie, I don't remember, you know how people can just quote the friggin' movie? You know those Uh people? I can't quote Uh anything. I can barely remember scenes or who was in the movie, but what I remember are my feelings. I I remember I have a strong imprint of my emotions that are attached to everything that I see or experience. So... Mm. there is a nerdiness to how I go about sex, but then there's also just the fact that it's just pure feeling for me. And the adventure of it is part of the excitement. No, that's not... But wait, we're trying to box me in. Pigeonhole me nerdy, right? So was I'm, I, Yeah, was I pigeonholing you? I worked with somebody last week who told a story at a show, show here in San Francisco last week. And... Um, his story was about being a Mormon teenager who was going to go on a family road trip. This thing was Wanderlust for the show. Mm-hmm. And his family would pile them all into this big sedan that held up to eight people. And each person who got shoved into the car was given their favorite treat and a brand new book to read so that they would not lose their minds. And uh, the book he was given had the first sex scene he'd ever seen. And it was, while I was working with him on the story, he's telling me, um, you know, that the characters' names are like I am and Griselda and, and things like that. And I'm like, what's the name of the book? I don't know. Can you describe what the characters look like? I don't know. There was a picture in your head that was going on because you had a raging heart on in a car full of Mormons, <laughs> family members. So um, I had to extract those details from them, and I'm like, we're going to we're going to research and find the name of that book. 
we are going to decide on the characters that 14-year-old Matthew would think they look like. And it turned out it was Kevin Sorbo and Sharon Stone going at it like wild dragons in this book while his family was trying to get him to interact while he has a raging heart on trying not to let anybody see it. <laughs> and it was because he worked on those details. He, he, you know, we all operate on sensation, but he had to go do some research, look up the name of that book, and it was really fun to watch people in the audience nod their head like, oh my God, yes, that book. Yeah, but you could tell every one of them had rubbed it out to that <laughs> I feel I feel like you're almost I feel like you're story doming me like a little bit. Like. <laughs> nope, I'm not trying to dom you. I'm only trying to throw out possibilities. You choose what fits you. Yeah, you choose what feels right. All I do is throw out things and say. Here's somebody else's situation. Here's my situation. And then you're going to tell me, here's what the founder said. Yeah. Oh, I, do have an, I do have a strong commitment to adventure. Oh, God, even like the first... I, you know what? I think the curiosity thing... Mm, this is a thing. The curiosity mm. aspect of nerding is what really gets me. It, it's the driving force behind the questions. Is just I'm so yeah. curious. So... Things like the the first swinger event I ever went to. Didn't know a single person there. You know, drove a really long way. It was something I found online. It looked kind of iffy. Um, my guy and I, you know, walk up to the door. We knock, and the door opens, and just you know, we do not know what to expect. We've been talking the entire car ride there. Like, what are we gonna do? What is our safe work? Or how are we going to check in? Oh, what do we want to do? What do we not want to do with everyone? Like We've already like, figured it out because we're really like, oh, this is going to be crazy, baby. We don't know. And we knock on the door. And like I think a gentleman about 65 opens the door <laughs> who is butt naked, at least 100 pounds uh, over you know the average BMI for the, his height yeah. category. Um, and just graying in all the places and just like, well, hello and welcome. Come in. And it just, like, there is nothing that you can do when that is what the first thing, like that. And every piece of furniture in that apartment was wicker. No cushions? No, no, there were cushions, but like everything was oh. wicker. It was, it was uber grandma furniture. Like oh, extra I was grand. Like, sitting naked on wicker would be uncomfortable. Plenty of cushions. It's it's funny when you walk into a home for the first time and all you want to do is get to the snack and drink area to get a settle in. You know, you want to settle in. Like that's what you do at a party. You settle in. And the kitchen is overlooking the living room, which has been turned into a giant bed just covered with people having sex. Just covered in like all the moans and all the uh, uh, and like all we want to do is just find the tequila. That's all we want to do at this point, and just like handle the fact that we're like we don't even know how to handle this. Really, mm. I've been to swinger parties where they uh, part of the price of getting in was all you can drink. That was a really bad idea. Yeah, really, really drunk people trying to have sex. Yeah, bad sign, bad sign. Bad sign. Yeah, I just hung out at a, um, I went to my first spanking party recently. Oh, how did that go? Uh, it was really fun. It was fun. It was a little awkward. Lots of nerdy people, so it was all, the mix was definitely a little on the shy side, but... It was fun watching people playing. It was fun to see the people who would get, come to play and were pairing up and just watching this like little like probably like 19-year-old girl just petite and sweet, like little cat ears, just really sweet. The cutest of the cute, you know? And this guy, they've agreed to play and he you know, pulls down his pants and he's wearing these little briefs, bends over the bed. And I'm looking at her pile of toys and I'm so excited because she's got like all these different implements and like this, these weird sticks with like fuzzy balls on the end 
with like little tassels hanging off them. I'm like, what is that for? That sounds, that seems not dangerous. I want to see that. And she has a TARDIS paddle. Dixie, are you a Doctor Who fan? Oh my God, yeah. So she has the TARDIS as a paddle. I, I'm like, I can't even, I kind of, I think I scream a little bit like, ah! um, so I don't know. I you, just, know what, you know what's geeky about that story? Not just the TARDIS paddle, but the fact that there was uh, the transaction of having an experience. These people said, we all want to have this experience, so let's create this environment where we can have the experience that we desire and freely ask for it. Yeah. I think that's a pretty geeky way of approaching a It's so funny to be finding the geek in everything. Like, that's mm-hmm. geeky. This is geeky, and that's geeky. All of these things are geeky. It's like, oh, I guess so. I guess my my life is... Oh, it's really geeky. But yeah, I would say BDSM folks tend to be that way. But it's, yeah, it's pretty do. great. And you also talked about feeling like you were socially awkward. And um, yeah, you can get past that really quick if you can get to, hi, here's an experience. Would you like to have this experience with me? I've acquired enough knowledge that I can do this pleasurably for both of us. Well, yes, let's have that experience together. Actually, hmm. No, I'll think on it because definitely later that night I did end up um, agreeing to play with a couple who um, had a bag. We played a really interesting game, a really interesting game um, called Guess the Implement. (laughs) (laughs) And like I experienced kitchen appliance or kitchen appliances, kitchen utensils that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, I was like, what is that? And then turning around and seeing what it is, I was like, oh my god! Who makes that? Who makes that? Anyway, Dixie Delator, thank you for spending some time with me and just sort of exploring my brain a little bit. Well, you've got a little bit over a week, so I'm really curious to see what you come up with. Yeah, it's, um, how often do you do body storytelling in the Bay Area? Uh, in San Francisco, I do the main stage curated show, which is working with people like this and crafting a 10-minute story with them. do that once a month here, and then we also have Body Slam, which is people just putting their name into a hat to tell a five-minute story. So two shows here in San Francisco, and I'm monthly down in L.A., and our next show is June 27th with you for your 100th podcast. Yes, it is. You can go to sexnerdsandra.com or bodystorytelling.com, B-A-W-D-Y, to find out about tickets. They're only 12 bucks, and it's over at Busby's East. Also, you sound really like, yeah, I do this, but like truly, it's really fun. It is yeah. so much fun, and every time you've brought it down to L.A., we have such a great time. It's ridiculous, and it's just, you know, the place is filled, and people are just can't even believe the things that are being said on the stage. It's fantastic. We're going to get to see some geeky minds like Reed Mahalko and Jayama and you on stage telling how they come at life. We get to see your brain work for 10 minutes straight. That's one of my favorite things about storytelling, watching someone's brain work on stage. It's going to be 100 episodes. Hmm. 100 wow. weeks. Hmm. It's crazy. Congratulations. Thank you, Dixie. Um, it's been great working with you. Um, where can people find you out in the world? Uh, on the website you just listed, bodystorytelling.com, B-A-W-D-Y. Um, I am about to take the show. We do, from time to time, we get invited to perform at kinky conventions and hotel takeovers and campouts in the middle of the woods on 200 acres where you can um, do God knows what naked all weekend long. And so later on this year, I'll be traveling back to the East Coast to do shows in New York. And Maryland, I'm trying to put one together in Baltimore right now. So um, I would love to do this everywhere. It's my favorite thing in the world to do, to help people put their stories on stage. So they can find me anywhere. (laughs) Cool. Um, All right, well, I'll see you next week. And uh, for everybody listening, thank you so much for hanging out. Um, And I will see you hopefully next week on June 27th. Um, Ooh, and... Actually, Dixie, guess who I'm about to go interview right now? Who? Uh, Cindy Gallup from Make Love Not Born. Oh, my God. I've been talking to her about telling a story. I love her. Yeah. I'm. It was so random. And I cannot wait. It was just like a Twitter meeting. And she's like, yeah, I'm in L.A. I was like, this needs to happen. So, ah. Oh.
more every week. Something excellent's going on. Okay. Ah, um, thank you very much, and go team fun. All right. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.